In this episode, we're going to discuss the current state of video in Hootsuite's quarter three report and how COVID-19 has changed the state of video marketing forever. Stick around. You're listening to Watch Time, supercharged video marketing tips for the savvy small business owner and the modern mid-market professional with Flex Media's Kathy Zip and Bill Barona. Welcome back to Watch Time. I'm Bill Barona. And I'm Kathy Zip. Hey, Kathy. Welcome back. Glad to have you back on. Thanks. Glad to be back. I know the world has been changing so much. I know we've all been seeing that, especially since the start of the pandemic. And many changes that are going on may be noticeable. I'm sure people have seen it every day. I know you and I have when we've gone out and been even on shoots. And one thing, though, that might not be as noticeable to people and maybe they don't realize is the changing in marketing and content creation and consumption In many ways, since COVID-19 started, it's really changed video marketing and content creation forever. That's right. And, you know, if you don't believe us, just stop and think about your actions for a second. You know, how much have you been on social media, especially during the lockdown? Did you find yourself on social media more because you were bored or you weren't able to connect with people in person? I know I was on there more checking out the status of my favorite restaurants to find out if they had takeout or when they were reopening. Um, a lot of people were using social media more because they couldn't go out and they couldn't obtain information and they couldn't be around people. I mean, even things like binge watching Netflix or other streaming services. Um, I know that we've all become really familiar with Zoom calls and meetings. We've been using them more at Flex Media. I don't know how we've lived without them. Um, I have friends that have been doing Zoom and online video dates. So you know, that's a way that people are connecting more with online video. And then even with uh, family and friends, I mean, my fiance's grandparents have lived in Florida for years, but just now we thought of being able to use Zoom and actually conference with them. Um, and I've also done some online happy hours. So just lots of different ways that people are using online video and social media more during the pandemic. It's crazy too. like when you think about it, um, one of my friends really good friend, actually, I was best man in his wedding. He lives in uh, Nashville or he used to live in Nashville. I think he lives in Knoxville now, but he lives in Tennessee. And um, it's neat because when all of this started, I wasn't really doing any Zoom happy hours. It was mostly just like the Zoom meetings with our clients. But then one of our friends um, that lives up here in Ohio goes, we should do a Zoom happy hour with, you know, the four or five of us from high school and get together. And I'm like, yeah, why not? And it was so neat because even though he was in Tennessee and I only see him a couple times a year, it was like, we were all hanging out together again, you know, 21, 22 years old, just (laughs) going out and talking and talking about what people are doing in their lives. And it's, it's kind of, you know, as, as unfortunate as the pandemic is, it's kind of really nice to have had that opportunity. And I really want to keep that going even after. Definitely. And um, adding to your uh, screen time and just spending more time on social media, while you were talking about that, I was running through my phone and checking my screen time on my iPhone. And um, I don't know when this when this podcast airs, it'll probably be a Wednesday, but it's actually a Friday right now. So we're getting towards the end of the week and screen time resets on Sunday. And um, my screen time says I have four hours and 11 minutes on my phone, two hours and 25 minutes of which are social networking. 18 minutes. So half. Yeah, it's like most of it. 18 minutes are entertainment. So I don't know what they base entertainment on. I know I have Hulu on here. So I don't know if that's kind of what they're basing that on. And then 12 minutes of productivity, which I'm sure that's not the case. (laughs) 
don't think it's Only going 12. off. I know. I don't think it's going <laughs> off my computer's productivity. <laughs> I'm scared to look at mine, but that's really interesting. I encourage, you know, all of our listeners, go ahead and kind of see like, you know, how you how you've been using um, your screen time. And one thing, too, with this, maybe it's a game changer. And I'm kind of thinking maybe we should do this with our clients if they have iPhones. If they're willing to share that information with us, I'd be curious to say, hey, you know, you're our ideal customer. Like, if you go on your screen time, like, how long are you spending on social networks and like what time? And maybe that's something for people listening. You know, if your clients are, you know, willing to give you that information, especially if you have like close clients, some of our clients are really good friends of ours. And um, they might tell you like, hey, I'm on social media for two and a half hours a week now. And, uh, you know, or I'm on for an hour and they might say, you know, most of that's Twitter. I know it is. And I think if you click on it, it does break it down for you. Um, you could see daily. So, um, yeah, maybe you could even do maybe we could even do this. Let's do like a poll and, and see what people so they can respond anonymously to on social on social media where people are looking. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I just clicked on mine, too, because uh, I was curious and this doesn't surprise me at all. An hour and two minutes of my time um, on average is spent on Instagram. That's my favorite platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 21 minutes of my time is on LinkedIn. So I probably need to reverse that a little bit. I, I get caught up watching people's stories and I really enjoy, you know, going through all that. So I feel like that's probably why I have so much time on there. But uh, this is, yeah, this is actually, and it breaks it down. Not only, not only does it break it down time-wise, but it also breaks it down. I've really never looked into this, but uh, pickups. So first used after pickup. So apparently most times when I pick my phone up, I use LinkedIn first. Mm. Um, and then my message is second. And majority of my notifications, this isn't surprising, comes from my text messages. And then after that's my alarm clock. And then uh, it even has trip log, which I use to track my mileage. That's my other notification. So th- it's really interesting. Like Kathy said, if you're not checking this out, it's it's kind of neat because you get a little insight into you. And um, that was actually, ooh, that's even scarier. That was daily use. My weekly use of Instagram is five hours and 15 minutes. So uh, it's interesting to look at, you know, all those little, little times add up. Yeah, they do. So definitely check this out. See, um, and actually, as you go down, you even see like, first use so weekly wise so today linkedin was the first thing i was using after picking my phone up according to this and this makes a little more sense weekly uh this past week has been mail which i always am checking my emails to make sure i'm not missing stuff from clients so Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense but uh check that out and uh if you have uh you have that on your iphone it's worth uh taking a look i don't know if they have something equivalent on android but they might um but it's definitely insightful and um you know, one thing too, you know, with all of this that we're going over and this, the whole course of this episode is really to just discuss, you know, behavior more specifically during COVID-19 because things have changed. And whether you know it or not, um, videos become a large part of your life. And that means that the way um, in which we communicate and prefer to communicate has changed. You may or may not already know this, but as a frequent listener to this podcast, you know that I reference Todd Hartley's podcast, Video Marketing Mastery, a lot. And Todd has been talking about this for the last four to five years, or as he puts it, he's been preaching the good gospel of video marketing and sales and just people really preferring to use video as a method of communication. And, um, you know, Todd's company, WireBuzz, has been optimizing sales cycles and creating marketing strategies around videos for years. That's something that's one reason why we're inspired to do this podcast is we really wanted to take that and 
bring it to small business owners. And uh, one of the things that he has always said is that, um, that the data shows that 82% of buyers don't want to talk to a salesperson until they're ready to make a buying decision, which is crazy because that's not the way people bought. You know, I, I actually, when I first started um, my, I guess, I wouldn't say adult life, but it was more of my high school life and I got a job, I worked for KB Toys. And, you know, we were always told when somebody comes in the store, watch them walk in, count to 30, after 30, go up and ask if you can help them. And I always, it always bothered me because I was always the type of person that I would go into the store and I'm like, if I need something, I'm going to ask. Mm-hmm. If I'm walking around aimlessly looking for somebody, I feel like that's the time you ask, like, hey, can I help you? You've walked around this aisle like six times and you're apparently looking for somebody. But like, I didn't like going up and bothering people because a lot of times when I go into the store, I kind of know what I want most times. And so mm-hmm. this makes sense to me. So, you know, put that in terms of, I guess, internet buying, you know, people don't want you bombarding, like bombarding them with messages. And especially over LinkedIn, you know who you are that are doing that, because I get a lot of those. But like 82% of buyers, they don't want to talk to you yet. What they want to do is they want to go on their own journey using video and learn about the product, the service and get ready to make a buying decision. And once they do, they're going to reach out to you. You got to let people, you know, I kind of look at it as like, you got to let people do their own research. They want to gather their own information first. Oh yeah, Kathy, you could even uh, agree to this. You probably do this all the time. Like I, I know I just did this this past week. I was looking at um, some different things for the house, and um, I had to get a new monitor for the house because um, you know my wife wanted to get a monitor to have at home because she was still working from home some days. And like I did a bunch of research, and then when I was ready to make my decision, it took me a couple days. I decided, you know, am I buying this used or am I buying it new? If I am going to buy it new, what am I buying? If I'm buying it used, what am I looking for spec wise? And I went on this whole little like adventure, like, and I actually, I enjoy it. Like I enjoy looking at reviews and I enjoy like looking at unboxings and things like that Mm -hmm. and getting a feel for the product. I don't know if you similarly have done the same. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many hours I put into trying to look at different kinds of curtains for this master bedroom that we've redone, you know, and you can do it at your own pace, do it in front of the TV at night or whatever. Now I know about Roman shades and wooden blinds and all these things. And, you know, then that took me to different stores, look at different options and prices. And as I move along I, that customer journey, um, and, and a good thing about this, is, you know, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think this is kind of a good thing for, for sales folks, because by the time you know the customer does come to you they're at a different point in their journey where they are looking to buy yeah definitely they are and the, i think that the problem i think a lot of salespeople have with this and and i i get it because like i effectively am a salesperson for flex media and um you know sales to me was never something that i wanted to to do but it's the reality of it is we all whether you're marketing or sales you kind of are involved in sales some way, shape or form. And I think the problem is, especially with these people that jump on LinkedIn and just start blasting you with messages, is that they may already know this stat. But the problem is, I feel like they don't want to sit on their hands. They feel like that if they're not moving forward and trying to get the sale, that they're not doing their job. They're not, you know, progressing people forward. And the reality of it is, and we talk about it on this podcast, and I'm going to continue to talk about it is, you don't have to sit on your hands, and you shouldn't. But what you can be doing is creating video content that is helping people like learn how to make an informed decision, giving away information, being as helpful as you can, being their guru. So when the time comes, they're like, I got to buy from, you know, John or I got to buy from Sarah, you know, because they have gotten me to this point and they've 
provided me with all this information. I've gone on my own journey. I've gone down the rabbit hole. I've looked, you know, to see what I want. And I want to buy this particular product or service. And I'm going to buy it from Sarah because she was with me every step of the way and she wasn't pushy. So that's one thing. You don't have to sit on your hands as a salesperson. You just have to reprioritize and see where you have to be. Absolutely. So that being said, jumping back out of my whole tangent on this and getting back to that 82% of buyers that don't want to talk to a salesperson until they're ready to make a decision. The thing that I find unique about that stat when I heard it the first time from Todd Hartley was that he talked about it in 2018. So this was pre-pandemic. And I will tell you, because of that knowledge and because I listen and Kathy listens to Video Marketing Mastery, and I know I keep calling it out and saying people should listen to it, check it out. Um, we try and get all this information from you know Todd and we listen to other podcasts like um, Engage Video Marketing from Ben Amos. We read books. We watch videos on YouTube, blogs. We're constantly learning and we're trying to kind of condense it all into an easy way for a business owner or a small marketing person to understand. But we've been able to take this info from Todd and we've taken that to our company for Flex Media and we've optimized this process. So we use video for social on social media to educate consumers um, so we can turn them into leads. We use video in our sales process to reach out to warm and cold prospects through email. One thing I do want to talk more about on this podcast because there's a huge advantage there. And we use video to communicate with our current clients. You know, when we send out a proposal, when we put a script together, you know, if it's important enough for us to take the time to really reach out to them and, and sell to them, if their project is that important to us, then in my opinion, it's worth every time we reach out sending them a video because video is the way that's going to help them understand the information quicker. And it's also going to make it easier for me to communicate with them instead of writing out a long email. Right. Yeah. They, you know, they can go back and they can watch the video again. They can show it to their peers who are also involved in making a decision. And, um, you know, like you said, Bill, like the world is constantly shifting and pivoting. And so that's kind of, we see that as our job where we've, you know, shifted and pivoted our business and kind of find out, found out what works so that we can help you know, our listeners do the same with their businesses and kind of simplify, simplify that process and just keep you up to date with the latest information because, you know, we know you have lots of other priorities with your business. And so we just want to make it as easy as possible for you to help grow with the power of video. So that's why in this episode, we want to talk about a couple staggering, if I may say, video statistics that we learned from watching Suite's quarter three report and why they're important and most importantly, what they can mean to you. So let's look at the first statistic, which is online content activities. And so this looked at global internet users from ages 16 to 24 who consume different kinds of content on the internet each month. So everywhere from you know watching online videos to vlogs to listening to streaming services and online radio stations and podcasts. And actually that was the order um, that the, the stats kind of fell in. So while 42% of um, internet users listen to podcasts, 90% have been watching videos online and 52% have been watching blogs. So those, those highest statistics are both platforms that involve watching video. Yeah, one thing that's really interesting about this that I, um, I really want to call out is, um, you know, the podcast thing. And this actually isn't video related, but we'll wrap this back around to video. So we we got into podcasting because, 
you know, we listen to a lot of podcasts, but also podcasting community is really an underserved community. And that 42% that they talked about, I noticed that in our stats in April, we had the best month that we've ever had. Like we had major spikes and downloads. And, you know, if you think about the time frame, you know, for us, at least in Ohio, we went to our lockdown in about March and um, April was probably like, you know, a couple weeks in. And then also I think our lockdown ended in May. So it's kind of like the middle, middle to the end. So people were starting to run out of content and that watching the online videos and watching vlogs, I almost would imagine that podcasts um, and music consumption radio stations went up a little higher because they might have started running out of video content, at least produced video content for maybe um, like a Netflix streaming service or something like that. But also like if people do listen to it when they work out and a lot of people were, you know, finding ways to work out at home or going for walks. And these are great things to be listening to during walks. But that 90% for online video, like that just, that just blows me away. Like, I mean, I know that it's, you know, it's always videos, a very big um, source of content and it always has been and understand that this 90% and that we're talking about is just the increase they've seen. So looking at January and February and March as quarter one, there was a 90% increase in quarter two. So this is, you know, um, April, May, and June. So that's one thing to keep in mind. But what, I mean, Kathy, I don't know, you know, your thoughts on this. I know you listen to a lot of podcasts, but I mean, do, do those numbers surprise you at all? I mean, like, I agree that the online video, like an increase of 90% with online videos and 52% of online vlogs is huge to me. I mean, I agree, like the, the podcast, even though it's the smallest number there, um, I don't think that it can be ignored either. I mean, I know my mom started listening to podcasts because we were, you know, both going to the same gym and then, you know, those shut down. And so she started taking more walks and she's been listening to podcasts and she loves it. And yeah, I think people were just, you know, really turning um, to online content in a time when, you know, they couldn't leave their house or, you know, the, the rest of the world was shut down. So, um, you know, those, all of those numbers really speak to, you know, the behavior change that we saw in light of COVID. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's really been, I guess, even for our content, the video content, the quick tip videos, um, we got a lot more interaction. I don't know if that is because of COVID-19 or if it's because we just had more of them coming out at that time. But I mean, really, for everyone listening, what this, why this is important, and I mean, if you haven't caught on to this yet, it's basically showing you that, you know, podcasting, which has been around quite a while, um, and video, I, I would even argue to say that like um, videos and podcasting are probably maybe close to the same age, online video and online podcasting. Um, but even like radio being right around podcasting, obviously radio has been around for a while, but video is really dominating and you're talking almost double. I mean, and I don't know if the vlogs were included in that online video as well, and they just pulled the vlogs separately. Um, but even the vlogs, that's kind of like, just in case anyone's wondering, if you don't know what a vlog is, that's like, you know, the stuff you're watching on YouTube, uh, YouTubers channels and things like that. So, you know, seeing that content shift, that means that people want to see more video. Uh, it really entertains them. It engages them. It's keeping them, you know, during this time when there might not have been as much to do, it's keeping them, you know, entertained. And, you know, you can only watch 
Netflix series um, and movies so many times. And there, you have to remember during this whole thing, uh, television production, movie production was shut down. I think it's opening back up. Um, I recently saw the other day that um, there I'm, I'm following the actors from Jurassic World 3 and they were back on set. So it sounds like some movies are starting to open back up. But there's really an opportunity for you. And that's what this means is like there's an opportunity for you to start creating content and um, for people to start really engaging with your brand. And even though movies are starting back up, one thing to keep in mind is it takes a long time for movies and television shows to get back in full swing. I know like the CW is not going to be bringing their their fall lineup is gone. They're not going to bring it back until January. So it's going to change a lot of things. So people are going to be looking for content. So you have an opportunity to get in front of people and you don't want to waste it. And you just saw what these numbers look like. Imagine if, you know, we start to maybe not go into another lockdown, hopefully, but maybe there's another, you know, try working from home. We're going to go back home and work more remote. Or maybe more people are going to stay remote. So these numbers may go down, but they're still going to stay up. So outside of just looking at the actual um, types of content activities, one thing to really think about and one thing that Hootsuite called out in their report was the daily time spent on using social media. And I kind of teased to that earlier when I was going through my phone because I knew what we were going to talk about. And um, I kind of wanted to tee it up for that. But one thing that's really interesting with this is um, what they were finding is that they broke this down into age group. So 16 to 24, 25 to 34, 35 to 44, 35 to 54, and 55 to 64 age range. And remember, we're talking about these are stats that were pulled in quarter two. So April, May, and June during the pandemic. And in the United States, that was probably the height of, you know, the lockdowns and stay at home orders. So what they found was age 16 to 24 spent an average of two hours and 53 minutes longer on social media than they did in quarter one. And not too far behind them was the 25 to 34 age range, which was two hour and 34 minutes. And then 35 to 44 was two hours and 14 minutes. 45 to 54 was an hour uh, and 50 minutes. And then 55 to 64 was an hour and 20 minutes. So, you know, obviously, as you're getting older, you see that actual time going down. But what's interesting is this is the time that's already on top of the time that was spent before. So all of these age ranges were spending time on social media platforms before, but they saw during this um this quarter two, this lockdown time, this coronavirus time, there was a lot more use of social media, which isn't surprising, but it may help you kind of understand, you know, the different age ranges a little bit better. Right. And I mean, I, what I think is cool about this is and interesting is that, I mean, all age brackets increased, like every single age group is using, um, you know, social media more. And even, even, you know, baby boomers and, um, you know, all the way to, you know, Gen Z. So really, I think that in, in all of it, I mean, if you roughly average it out, you know, people are spending a couple hours more on social media every day. So, you know, if you're trying to reach those people, then, you know, I think that really speaks a lot on what there is to consider, you know, where you're spending your ad dollars and when you're, where you're putting your content. Yeah, I think that's a great point to really look at there because I feel like there's a lot of people that we talk to, clients, um, that'll really be like, I don't really know if we should be on 
you know, social media, if we should be blogging, if we should be, you know, running ads on streaming, on television, you know, what should we be doing? And obviously this doesn't account for the amount of time people are spending on TV and doesn't account for the amount of time people are reading. I don't think they can track the reading aspect of it unless it's online. But this definitely does show you, um, I guess, depending on your age range, you know, if, if you're selling a product 16 to 24 or a service for people 16 to 24, like, you know, they're spending more time on social media during this. So, you know, that time was increased. Now, once again, similar to before, going out of this and depending on what the future holds, you know, this may change. It may be more if people have to stay back home again, it may be less. But I, I definitely feel like you've developed a habit and it's not going to be the same way it was in quarter one of this year and quarter four of last year. You're going to see increased times across the board, especially people that, you know, I was amazed. You know, my, my mom and dad don't use Zoom, but they downloaded it and they wanted to use it during the pandemic. They had no use for it. I mean, my dad has his own business, but he still didn't have to do uh, Zoom meetings with people. And they both have Zoom and they can use it. So Remember that there are people that are older that maybe didn't use a platform before that are using it now. You know, my wife didn't use TikTok before. Now she does. And it was because of the pandemic and she's on it all the time. So those are things to really keep in mind. These stats will change, but they're not going away. And that really kind of brings you to the the next whole um, thing that Hootsuite kind of started talking about. And that was the overlaps between social media platforms. I mean, what do you think about that, Kathy? I mean, this is interesting, this whole statistic. Yeah, I mean, if you think about your own social media habits, like, I would imagine that most people are not just on one platform, especially when you're, you know, using social media for your business, too. It's important to remember that, you know, your your followers and customers are likely to be on at least one other um, platform as well. And so I think this is really interesting, you know, Facebook users, for instance, um, you know, 92% of them are also on YouTube, which I think is especially interesting because, you know, Facebook owns Instagram and only 74% of them are also on Instagram, which is really high. But again, back to, you know, the videos and, and YouTube being the second largest search engine too, um, is 92%. Like that's just an example of the kind of crossover you want to consider. So maybe if your um, audience is on Facebook, you also want to think about, sharing on Instagram and YouTube as well, because they're there too. Yeah. And one thing that's really cool when I'm looking at this graphic and one thing that I, I did want to mention, all of these graphics that I downloaded from the quarter three report, I will put in the show notes. So if you're like hustling to write these stats down, they'll be there. Uh, you should be able to just right click and save them and you can keep them for uh, yourself and download them. But the one thing that I find interesting, and I'm just staring at this YouTube column, who it says who also uses YouTube. And across the board, they have Facebook, they have Instagram on here, Reddit, Snapchat, Twitter, TikTok, Pinterest, obviously YouTube. But of all the other platforms other than YouTube, when they show how many of their users are on these other platforms, YouTube across the board just wins it. 92% of Facebook users are on YouTube. 94% of Instagram users are on YouTube. 94% of Reddit users on YouTube. 94% of Snapchat users on YouTube. 95% of Twitter users on YouTube. 95% of TikTok users on YouTube. And 94% of Pinterest users on YouTube. So really, it kind of goes back to what we've been telling our clients all along. You really can't go wrong posting your video on YouTube. Your goal may not be to grow a channel. 
it may not be to, you know, get this whole, like get this following, get all these subscribers, be a YouTuber in any way, shape or form, but to be on that platform, to have the correct title, to have the correct tags, to have the right description and get into that algorithm, you're really setting yourself up to be in a position to be found by a lot of other people. And from all these other platforms, it's really a great place to be if you're not sure which platform to be sharing video on. And I just want to go back and just remind everyone again, we're talking about increases during quarter two during the pandemic. So these percentages that we're talking about here, these were discovered in quarter two. So 94% of Instagram users during the pandemic were also on YouTube. Now, one thing that's great about this is these are probably logged in users. So if they just formed their account, they're not going to be getting rid of it and they're probably going to continue to use the platform. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Yeah, that's a really, that's a really good point, Bill. And, um, you know, talking about like how, again, as, as I said earlier, um, just the, how most people are on a additional platform. Like if you look down again, it really helps to have these charts in front of you. So look for those posted, but the, the numbers of people who do not use other platforms, um, is so low, like 3.4% of Facebook users don't, but besides that, like most of the percentages on the other platforms are less than 1%. And even looking at TikTok, cause I know a lot of businesses are just like, well, you know, TikTok's like the new, newest tech, um, platform out of all of these. And, you know, they might not get it. They might not think that their, um, you know, their, their customers are on there, but they have some really high numbers too. I mean, 86% of Facebook users are also on TikTok. And then 93%, again, YouTube being huge, 93% of YouTube users are also on TikTok. I mean, 85% of Instagram users are on TikTok. So all these people that are probably watching video and communicating through the other big major platforms, they're starting to turn to TikTok as well. And, you know, there's really a big opportunity there. So if your business isn't looking at TikTok, maybe you should. Yeah, that's one thing that I know, I think we may have mentioned in a past podcast, and I know I've mentioned when I've had the opportunity to uh, speak at some different um, online events during this and even to some different groups that like TikTok is not a dancing platform. I know so many people are like, oh, I don't want to go on TikTok because I have to dance and I have to, you know, do all these silly things. And it's it's really grown so much. I mean, prior to the pandemic, I was saying this and now, like even with the the pandemic, you know, where we are and how many people have kind of gone on this platform. There are so many things like we, we just made a recipe the other day. I laughed because like my wife's like, oh, I got all these ingredients. I'm like, where's the, you know, normally she goes to Pinterest. We find recipes together. We save them to our own little like recipes to make pin. And she found this recipe and I had to make it for uh, us because she was busy. And uh, even though it was her turn to cook and um, I go, where did you find this? And she goes, oh, I saw it on TikTok. And I was like, okay. So like I had to go find this like this TikTok user and like find their recipe and follow it. I mean, it was easy because, you know, that you can't go over a minute. So they're taking you step by step. But it's really for more than what you think. And I really I, I did want to call out one thing. I, I could nerd out over this slide all day long, just like looking at all the different percentages. It's fascinating. Yeah. Well, it blows my mind. Like and it really I just and what I love most is everything we tell our clients like this just reinforces it. I think I just want to start including this in like our uh, 
our pitches and like when mm-hmm. we're talking to clients because like now granted like i said this is quarter two and we'll see what happens in quarter three i think we should maybe do another one of these updates um for when they deliver their quarter four report and talk about what happened in quarter three but what's really neat is i'm just looking at the facebook line you know you know, users that are on all these other platforms I mentioned and, you know, where they are um, in terms of using Facebook. And really what's amazing is like, that's all the 80%, like all those are 80 some percent. So really YouTube is just cleaning up the board here. So if you're really unsure and you're like, Hey, I, I just really don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I should use Facebook. I don't know if I should use Instagram. I'm not comfortable using those platforms make your content and just put it on YouTube and start putting it on the other platforms, make it universal. And then, you know, see how, see what works where, but I mean, your audience is on YouTube. It definitely is. That's one thing. And you know, that kind of, kind of brings me to like, even talking about like, they did a nice study on the use of social media for brand research. And what's interesting about this is um, they looked at all of the social media data they had, and they were curious to see, okay, so who's actually using social media to go on that buyer's journey? Like beyond going to a brand's website, because that's a lot of times what I do, but who's actually going to YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, who's who's doing that to try and research a brand and decide whether or not they want to buy from that brand or identify with that brand. And what's interesting is um, they once again broke this down, 16 to 24, 25 to 34, 35 to 44, 45 to 54 and 55 to 64. And I'm going to tell you before I even tell you the percentages, they are um, similar to the time on platform, which I wouldn't think they wouldn't be. Um, There's more research done at the younger ages versus the older ages. But what's interesting is just looking at 16 to 24, 50% of women 16 to 24 are doing their brand research on social media. So that's what they found during the pandemic. Out of all the people on social media for that age group, 50% of them during that time were researching their brand on social media. So that really, if you're selling, you know, to 16 to 24 year olds, whether it be, um, you know, a product or a service, especially if it's to 16 to 24 year old females or, or women, then you really want to consider making sure that your content is not only on your website, and accessible, but also on social media. And that could be as a explainer video, that could be as a, you know, uh, unboxing, that could be working with an influencer or sending your product to um, a YouTuber and having them review it. So these are all things to consider. I know for me, I fit into this 25 to 34 year old age group, at least until next year. And um, they uh, they definitely, with that, that's 46% women did research and 43% men did research um, on social media at that time. And that's about relevant. Like I, I was looking at um, some action cam stuff the other day and I, I was doing all my research on, on, on YouTube, just looking at YouTubers and their unboxings and their reviews and them using it for a year. So this is a great way to get your product out there. So really when you look at that, like, so how is that, you know, why is that important and what does that mean for you? I mean, that's what we're trying to relate to all these slides. So it's important because, like I said, you're having a better idea of how your buyer is going through the buyer's journey. And I mean, it's very, I would say that the buyer's journey, you know, there are, if I guess 
one thing that we haven't done on here yet, and I do want to do, and we will do, and I think I've mentioned this before, we're going to do an episode on buyer's journeys and buyer's personas um, and just really taking that a step further. But basically with the buyer's journey, you know, it's like we said earlier, it's how your ideal buyer is going through the process to make a purchase decision, you know, from discovering your product to actually buying it. And this provides insight because if you know your age range is, falls within these percentages and you know they're searching on social media and it's a good chunk, I would say that 50% of women, 16 to 24, that's a good chunk. That's a good number to look at. Even the 46% of women, uh, 25 to 34. So that's important because of that. And really what it means for you is you need to start looking at posting your content on more places than just your website maybe more places than just YouTube. You know, YouTube is a social media channel, but looking at diversifying that and using other channels. And then also being able to understand that, you know, getting creative and working with influencers, like I said. So that's really what we're trying to hit home with that. But the thing is, is YouTube still is a great channel to put content on. And speaking of YouTube, they actually did a study um, for their quarter three report on YouTube. And I don't know, Kathy, my thoughts are the stats are amazing, but I don't know how you feel about what you're seeing. Yeah. I mean, just the, the number of logged in users that are, are, you know, on YouTube each month is 2 billion people. So help me with some math. What are there like 8 billion people in the world right now? I think, yeah. So like, so like a quarter of them are logging into YouTube each month. And, And that's just, that's just people that have accounts. I mean, think of how many people don't have accounts and then they, you know, go to watch a, a YouTube video on, you know, maybe how to fix something or, you know, research something. So I think that that number is, is you know, the number of YouTube users that are logging in or that are on there every month is, is so much greater. One thing too, I, I might be off on this number slightly because I know, you know, like we've been saying, it relates back to the quarter uh, two um, stats that Hootsuite's looking at, but I'm fairly confident and I might be off by a point of some kind. And if I am, I'm sorry, but it's still pretty close. I'm pretty sure prior to the pandemic last year's stat was 1.8 billion users, um, were on YouTube. So this is 2 billion users each month during quarter two. So that means that YouTube's number of users went up But what's interesting about this is with all of the extra time spent on social media and all the people that started logging in, it didn't go up that much. But yet the percentage of amount of videos watched went up, which means that prior to the pandemic even occurring, there were already a lot of people on YouTube and now they've pushed even more on the platform. And I do know it's showing here the total numbers of watched video each day was 1 billion hours. Now, I know that's up from last year's stats just in that quarter. So there's definitely been a lot more video consumption, which is, I guess, if you think about it, it makes sense since 90% more time was spent watching online video, you know, in quarter two. So this is, this is really like staggering stuff. And I'm really, I'm really like nerding out on a lot of it because it, it's cool. Like when you think about it, I mean, it really, and I know I've said this three or four times now. So this might be like a take note moment. If you're like trying to store something away from this podcast, YouTube really is a great choice. If you're not sure where to start posting your content, just get on YouTube and just yeah. make sure it's relevant. 
if you look at at some of the other numbers in the report too, I mean, both the you know with the usage increase of YouTube, there was forty five percent increase on the female side and fifty five percent on the male side, and I mean that's relatively even, like a little bit more on the male audience. So that's something to keep in mind if you're trying to you know reach uh, male customers. But still, it's it's relatively even across the board. Uh, you know, no matter which um, you know which gender you're going after. Well, and one thing too, I feel like a lot of people forget, and like you know, with YouTube, when you search in Google search, I mean, it doesn't matter what you search. I mean, the other day, I think I want to say I was searching. I needed new flip flops, so I was searching for new flip flops, and um, it ended up coming up with video results out of YouTube and people just demoing shoes and like unboxing and talking about them. And, you know, and how many people are searching things and that video comes up and they're like, oh, I'll just watch this video. And they may not be logged in. And, and even if they are logged in, like, I mean, obviously the non-logged in aren't counting for this, but how many people are really just using it as a tool to learn and, you know, educate themselves and make an informed decision. And it kind of ties back into that buyer's journey. You know, people are looking at YouTube videos when they're trying to make a decision on what to buy. And a lot of times they do like those influencers or those YouTubers because, you know, if, if the, they'll tell you like this is sponsored by so-and-so because they have to. And a lot of times they'll say, hey, this video is not sponsored by them at all. Or they'll do a sponsored video and they'll give a uh, another review later on that's an honest review. And I think people look for that because, you know, you don't know, like obviously every company that posts an ad, they're going to say their product's the best product to ever hit the market. But really is it the best product to hit the market and that's that's something to really think about and you know this is a great way for you to get your name out there maybe have a third party endorse your product and um you know you can send it to them and say hey i'm just sending it to you i didn't endorse this video but uh go ahead and you know do a review and you know let us know we'd like to hear what you think so these are things to consider depending on the size of your company um, looking for some local YouTubers. I mean, a video really is a great way to go ahead and do that for your brand. And the thing that's interesting about video, and I think the thing that's really changed, if you if you think about the pandemic and who video-wise is really just cleaning up, you really have to just stop and think about video conferencing. I know we had those two podcasts on Zoom, and I'm sure you're tired of hearing Zoom at this point, but the reality of it is this slide that came from the quarter three report I talked about in uh, two podcasts ago in our one, you know, tips for upping your Zoom game and 300 million daily meeting participants on Zoom, 300 million people participating in meetings, 100 million people participating in Google Meet a day, 75 million in Microsoft Teams and 40 million on Skype. And Cisco WebEx, they did it by the month. I think they might just not have had daily stats, but 500 million people a month. So, you know, that's astounding. People that maybe were not used to watching video before, maybe weren't used to doing video conferencing, or you know, maybe they preferred to watch television, they may have been forced to have these meetings, or they may have had to use these tools to connect with their family. And now they're a little bit more willing to sit in front of that screen and watch those videos. And that's, you know, something that really, you know, you want to start thinking about and also understanding, you know, 
how these platforms are working and maybe how you can leverage them for your your business. Like I talked about, you know, using Zoom to create your video content. That's something that you can start leveraging this platform to do today that has nothing to do with the conferencing capabilities, but this was brought to everybody. 300 million people can do this now. Yeah, we like like Bill said, you know, we've been we've been using Zoom for a lot of um, a lot of things to, you know, have meetings and record podcasts and record videos. And I almost feel bad for Skype because I feel like they've been around for a while and they kind of paved the way in this technology. There was something about, you know, the the Zoom um, interface and the timing where it really just took off. Um, you know, I, I don't think that any of us anticipated, you know, the, the different applications that we use both personally and professionally on this kind of platform. Well, one thing too, I think is funny, and this is just relating back to, you know, Todd Hartley's video marketing mastery, listening to him during this pandemic. And he said, you know, don't waste your pandemic, like use this time to better your skills and, and win the quarantine, you know, win it, come out ahead. And when we, he talked about it one episode, he goes, I think he goes, you know, who's winning the quarantine? He goes, zoom. And I go, oh my gosh, I'm like, this is a company that, you know, so few people use their product before. And now it's a way of life. And like the thing that like blows my mind with this. And one thing that this is important for you to understand is that if you're still trying to have phone calls and you're still trying to, Hey, can I come into your facility and sit down? Because I need to sit down and talk to you to pitch or, you know, Hey, you know, do you want to come into my office? Stop not offering Zoom. Like you need, I mean, that's fine. If people want to come into your office, that's great. If people want to have phone calls, it's easier. That's great. I, we still accommodate all those things, but you need to get yourself a Zoom account if you don't have one. You need to offer that as an option to your clients. You need to welcome, you know, 2020. Understand that this is the new normal and it's going to continue to be the normal after all this is done. And you could even go with the service. We just got um, Calendly. Calendly is a great tool. And you can set up a, a actual like event for people to go through there and choose like specific things. Like if it's a 15-minute meeting, a 30-minute meeting, an hour meeting, whatever it is. If you do a specific thing, like let's say you do a, uh, you know, a welcome call with a new client, you can have, hey, schedule your welcome call. And what's unique is I have three options for them on there. We can do a phone call. We can do an in-person call where it sends them my office address or I let them put in their own address if they want me to come to them or we can do a Zoom meeting. And then if they choose Zoom meeting, what's amazing is it integrates with Zoom, books the meeting, puts it on my calendar and then sections off my calendar for the day so nobody else can book that time. So that's one thing you need to start welcoming the 2020 and just start getting with the program. Yeah, because people are kind of coming to expect it. So I like how you mentioned, you know, you give people options. And if, if they're if they're able to choose what option they're more most comfortable with or they prefer, that puts them in control and it gives you even more opportunity to really have their undivided attention and be able to, to get that, um, you know, time to speak with them no matter what format. You know, you're just increasing your chances really of making the sale. It, it is. And it's really, it really does because now you're one. So I feel like one thing that's always been uncomfortable for me, and I can say this on here and, you know, I feel like people should be able to say how, whatever makes them feel uncomfortable. Like, cause you have to be honest with yourself. It's when we go in and we meet with a client and pitch, I'm on their turf. I'm in their environment. I got to bring my A game. I got to be ready for anything because I want to make it look like I'm on my game. But what's cool about Zoom is like, you're meeting them 
it's almost like you're in person because you're on video. I mean, we've, we've been talking about this, that like video really makes people feel like they're there. That's why it's such a great tool to use. So now you're on video, like there with this person, but like, you're not on their turf, you're in your turf. So you should feel so comfortable. You're like, I'm in my office. You know, some people are at home. I'm at home. My dog's down the hall barking and you know, I'm having this meeting. So really it's allowing you to have, I want to say an upper hand, but it's putting you at ease when you're meeting with these people. And even beyond just, you know, making sales and closing deals, Kathy and I were just talking the other day about wanting to bring on a marketing intern for this uh, fall semester. And what's unique is before when we've had interns, we've always had interns local to, you know, the Cleveland, Ohio area, because that's where we're based. And because of everything going on and because of the power of Zoom, we can get a marketing intern for from anywhere, really. I mean, in the world, if we want it, or the United States, like whatever allows us to stay kind of in the same time zone. But that's going to be an amazing opportunity because we can work with a talented person that's maybe, you know, hours away. So if you're listening and you are in the United States and in a similar time zone and looking for an opportunity to be a marketing intern, reach out to us. <laughs> but that's that's another thing to consider. My wife's job, they're doing that with graphic design interns. And They've always had Cleveland, Ohio graphic design interns, but because they can have Zoom meetings now, because they didn't have Zoom before, but they have it now, they can hire graphic design interns. I think she's looking at some that are maybe on the West Coast, some on the East Coast, and you know they can bring somebody in that's got fresh ideas, a fresh perspective, and they can be that far away. So this is just an amazing tool, and I'm not phased by these statistics by any way, shape, or form. This is the future. This is the new normal. It's time to get behind it if you haven't been. And speaking of the future and the new normal, we really felt, you know, out of everything else that we saw in the quarter three report, we figured we'd throw in one last slide that we figure everyone's probably chomping at the bit to like learn more about, and that's TikTok. And Kathy, I don't know if you want to talk about these stats because this is just absolutely mind blowing when I saw these as well. Yeah, I mean, the numbers here really are staggering too. There are 800 million users. Uh, around the world on TikTok. I mean, that's almost a billion people right there. And I, I can't believe, you know, how far TikTok has come even from a few months ago. So that's a, that's a really staggering statistic. And then um, also 13% of the population ages 13 plus are using TikTok on a monthly basis. So this, it's not even just people that are only logging in one time. Um, and then the total number of times that TikTok has been downloaded was 2 billion times. So that's, you know, a huge number of people are downloading it, they're exploring it. And really, again, fairly equally between uh, women and men, there were 46% uh, of total users on TikTok are women and 54% are men. So again, a little bit more male dominated here. But really, you're going to find females and males on TikTok. You know, one thing I wanted to touch on, too, with this, and I mean, just going back to that, you know, why is this important and what does it mean for you? So like Kathy was saying, that 2 billion people downloaded TikTok in quarter two, but 800 million people used it. So now, why is that important and what does it mean for you? And that's where I think the main stat on the slide, in my opinion, is like foreshadowing the future. That means that if 800 million people used it, but 2 billion downloaded it during that time, the platform is growing. If it isn't already over 
you know, a billion already. I'm sure it probably is because I think this was uh, a stat as of uh, beginning of July, yeah, July 2020, and now it's you know into August. So keep that in mind. You know that might be a platform you want to get on. You want to start looking at the age ranges. I know there's all ages. It's not just Generation Z. And there's a lot of people that have downloaded that maybe haven't used it or they're thinking about using it, um, but maybe they haven't um, you know, logged in yet, but they go, I'm just waiting for an opportunity. And you know, like my wife, I said before, she downloaded it. She didn't use it prior and she's been using it. She might have not been factored in that 800 million. She might be factored in what happened after July. She's been using a lot more now. So if you're looking for a new platform to jump on, I've said it before. And I'm going to say it again, TikTok, 2 billion downloads, 800 million users. There's more coming. I think they just uh, released monetization or at least um, some type of ad platform. So you're going to want to check into that. But um, this is just absolutely staggering stuff. So that was a lot of data to go through. Um, But I really hope, I know Kathy and I are really hoping this is helpful to you and that this information helps you make some good decisions when it comes to you know, should I be using video? Where should I be putting my video? You know, is this a, a fad? Is this going to be sticking around? You know, how is this going to uh, apply to things? And really, if you're still waiting for things to go back to the way they were, you know, in January or even last year in December, they're not. We have a new normal. These numbers, will they go down a little bit? Yeah, they could. You know, will they go up a little bit? They could. But I don't see just huge decreases. I feel like people have started to make a habit of going to these platforms and checking these things out. So just make sure that, you know, you keep that in mind when you're trying to make these decisions. And like I said before, if you didn't get any of this information, I am going to put this on the show notes page on our website uh, for this episode. So make sure to check that out. You can go to watchtimepodcast.com and it'll take you to our actual like... um, podcast blog page and just look for this episode and um, I'll even link it in the description for this so that way you guys can easily link to it Um, but I'll also include a link to Hootsuite's full quarter three report in the show notes I encourage you to check it out go through it there's a lot of pages I only took a few pages I think there were um, over 150 some pages and they're all like what you see on our our website they're these like infographics they're really easy to digest Um, if you are a marketing professional and you're working with your you know small marketing team or you're trying to convince your boss to do something these are great tools hey this is what happened in quarter two like we should really consider you know using video or using this type of platform if you're a business owner and you have you know other people on your staff and you're trying to get them to start using you know one of these platforms or start creating more video content this is great stuff to show them look at this is the data this, this will show you this is why we need to do this so Um, I really encourage you to go through the whole thing and really take a look at it. And there's a lot of great data, a lot of insight into these social media channels during the pandemic. So it's definitely worth your time. Yeah. Again, I know we threw around a lot of numbers, but I think it really helps put things in perspective once you look at those graphs. And so, yeah, we just want to thank everyone for for listening. Um, You know, we hope this was helpful. And really, you know, the most exciting part of doing this for us is being able to hear from our audience. So we always encourage you, send us your thoughts, your questions, your screen time usage. You know, we want to hear and we want to discuss that on, on, um, you know, future episodes so that we kind of know what everybody's looking for and and we can provide that information. So, 
you can contact us at info at flexmediacle.com. You can always direct message us on any of our social media channels. You know, we're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And let us know how we're doing. Please rate us and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podbeam. And if you haven't subscribed already, we encourage you to do so, so that when we come out with new topics that might also be helpful for you, you won't miss it. And again, we just really want to thank everyone, and we will catch you on the next episode. Later, everyone. Thanks for listening to Watch Time. Make sure to subscribe and share the podcast and leave us feedback on today's episode. That's a wrap.